0: a warm Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm looking forward to spending time with you today. I hope you've had a good day. I love uh, Psalm 139, one of my favorites. I start, I'm starting in verse 13 right now. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, when your your eyes saw my unformed body, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. It's a great way to start as we are always reminded of the beauty of God's created life in the womb. And Kim Catola is my very first guest today. She is my favorite pro-life advocate and was... Nice enough to join me today. Kim, welcome.
1: Well, that was a stirring reading of oh, the scriptures, thanks. Bill. Thank you, thank you <laughs> nice. so much. Nicely done. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah. Well, nice
0: to ha- hear your voice. Nice to have you back on the show. I always love when you come on. Thank
1: you. So Likewise.
0: Thanks for doing it. So there are mm-hmm. so much, so many things in the news right now. And one of the things that's especially troubling to me is where the United States fits in the world when it comes to abortion. We're right up there with North Korea and China.
1: We are one of only seven nations in the world that will allow abortion up to birth. Um, Let's talk about how significant that is.
0: I know, because we always want to emulate Europe, don't we?
1: Right. So every country in Europe has a much more restrictive policy. Uh, Most of them ban abortion after 12 weeks. Uh, Many of them, even up to 12 weeks, will require a three-day waiting period, two doctors to weigh in on the need for the abortion. Uh, The idea that uh, there's some sort of uh, natural right, you know, there's some human right that uh, pregnant people, excuse me, Bill, that's the current term.
2: I forgot. That
1: pregnant people should have. (laughs) <laughs> to terminate a pregnancy for any reason or no reason, abortion on demand and without apology is the policy that's being pushed for now. Is to, it's out of step with every other civilized industrial country, other than, as you said, China, North Korea, Canada is uh, in the hall of shame on the Seven Nation, uh, uh, what do I want to say, tolerance parade. <laughs> yeah um Canada allows has a very liberal abortion law but you know Canada was in step with the United States in the 1970s when these laws were being written most of uh the western world followed the UK that had a pretty liberal abortion law change in the late 1960s so yeah it's um people what people don't know about abortion is deadly not only to the unborn but really to our um, to our national culture.
0: And if you don't know about all of the European countries that ban abortion, is it after 12 weeks or 15?
1: Uh, it depends. Yeah. There are, you know, and I, I recommend to you Pregnancy Help News. Okay. They are really doing a fabulous job of keeping on top of stories like this. Uh, they put out a, a piece that has—you can a- ask a question about any country in the world, and they will be able to help you locate the policy. Uh, they also lean on the work of the Charlotte Lozier Institute, which is an answer to the Guttmacher Institute, which is abortion advocacy. And really, it still is sort of like the gold standard of abortion research, but Guttmacher is by no means unbiased. And as we're finding out, you know, fake news and biased news Mm -hmm. (laughs) are very close cousins, aren't they? (laughs) So, yeah. So um, the Netherlands is probably the closest to what is happening in the United States. They're also known, though, for pioneering uh, child euthanasia, right? I mean, if you want to talk about their moral approach to the sanctity of human life, the Netherlands has a pretty liberal policy, but not as liberal as the United States. In Germany, abortion for any reason is permitted in the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. But again, that three-day waiting period and other restrictions are put on it. France, abortion on demand allowed only up to 12 weeks. In Italy, the law changed uh, in 1978. It was one of the last European nations to... Uh, join in, of course, because of the presence of the Roman Catholic uh, influence in Italy. But they have uh, the first 90 days as their restrictive period, almost 13 weeks. Um, And in the UK, uh, it's 24 weeks, but they're going back and forth on where that line should be. Uh, Ireland only legalized abortion pretty recently Mm -hmm. uh, in 2018. 2018, there was a very very strong battle for Ireland, and the battle remains with the pro-life forces trying to roll back that legislation. Uh, Poland, I think, outlaws abortion maybe entirely. It's a predominantly Roman Catholic country.
0: So, Kim, when I I want to shift gears just a little bit because I I want you to tell us about what's going on with this abortion pill because it's mired in secrecy. There's all these backdoor dealings. There's investors whose names remain hidden, and there's all this stuff that uh, they're secretly doing, and that's never, ever good.
1: Well, you know, people have been concerned about public health policy in the United States recently because of various reasons related to the pandemic. And I, I won't go there. I know it's such a divisive topic. And again, you know, it's like, I'll throw my expert up against your expert, (laughs) you know, and who who do you trust, right? Right. Who should should you believe? And people believe very different things depending upon the news that they're reading and watching, right? There's Mm -hmm. like a completely separate set of talking points. And it may not surprise you to learn that the same thing is true of the research on what abortion does in the lives of the women who undergo that medical procedure or the, that chemical abortion now with pills. C. Everett Koop, when he was Surgeon General in the United States in the 80s under President Reagan, sought to find the answer to that question. Let's get the research and find out if there is a detrimental impact or if it's completely safe as the abortion industry claims. And his conclusion, Bill, after months of study was there is no untainted research on either side. All of the research is bias driven. Therefore, I cannot come to a scientific conclusion. And that only tells me that, you know, there's some truth to be told on both sides, right? There's, there's bias, and you, you need to take it all with a grain of salt. But there's some truth on both sides. And in, in the case of whether abortion impacts women negatively, you know, the findings were that there's at least 5% of women who will suffer severe psychological harm from it, and of course, there are, are physical problems which will result as well. But if that five percent number sounds low to you, that represents over two million women over the last thirty, forty years that abortion's been legal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, because there have been sixty million abortions. So, if we so if we look at okay, I'd like to find out about this chemical abortion because that's where it's going, Bill. I know all you know. Texas, Texas was very effective in banning abortion. Wow, how many court cases have there been between Supreme Court and the Texas Supreme Court and local circuit courts and so on? Um, if if abortion were made illegal in the United States today, it's not going to stop. You know, it's self-managed abortion with chemical abortions and pills, which can be procured through telemed online or even without any layer of medical protection with a prescription. You can just go to an online pharmacy bill and get these pills. Well, how how, how did that happen? Well, it happened in 1993 under President Bill Clinton. And the abortion lobby, uh, along with a group called Population Control, brought the abortion pill to the U.S. and set up the manufacturer as well as the distribution uh, system because the FDA has to have both before they can do their clinical trials and approve a drug. But they did that under complete secrecy on the pretext that it was too dangerous, Bill. Mm. Right, All those crazy, dangerous pro-lifers would probably blow up the, the manufacturer or the distribution centers. Right, It's the same pretext that they used, Bill, when um, the Center for Medical Progress went undercover at Planned Parenthood. and taped them talking about their trafficking in fetal remains. Now so they sued David DeLeiden, mm-hmm. who went who who produced those undercover videos, but then they wouldn't allow the videos ever to be shown in any court case, and there have been many since 2016, on the pretext that this is so inflammatory, people will be targeting abortion providers. And of course the obvious question this raises Bill is Really, people will be so angry by seeing the truth of what abortion is, that they'll want to kill, (laughs) that they'll want to destroy facilities, that they'll want to, you know, in some way, act out their outrage. Mm -hmm. Is the problem really the reaction or is the problem the truth of what is happening behind those closed doors? So we have no um, we have no public health. Policy, which actually ever submitted the abortion pills to scrutiny as to the safety. And when the first abortion chemically abort, uh, chemical abortion related death occurred in 2001, um, it, it passed under the radar in the wake of the terrorist attacks in September. But there have been more there have been many deaths related to chemical abortions. And the fact that the FDA does not include a doctor's name on the documents that approved this, you know, this drug combination for terminating pregnancy should tell us a great deal. Because the doctor um, uh, who actually was involved in that process said his name is on eight other FDA reviews. Only this one wow. failed to list his name. Live Action News has a great report on this and many more stories about, you know, exposing what the abortion pill is and what it actually does, because many young women, especially immature women, Bill, um, will want to go online, will want to remain anonymous, won't even want to go into an abortion facility for a medical abortion. And they feel that that would be, you know, very painful or frightening so they think that they can they've been told that they can take a pill to restore your period. It's not a pregnancy they' they're told it's so early this pill will restore your period wow and so and so they they go home and they don't tell anyone that they've gotten the pills and then they take the pills, and some period of hours, sometimes days of bleeding ensues and you know many of them aren't willing to now bring anybody into the story and reach out for help. And medically there's no one to go to if you got the pills from the internet and sometimes even if you got the pills from a telemed provider, because they tell you go to the ER if you have any problems or any you know, side effects that you can't control. So yeah, it's it's a horrific public health problem. And you know the other thing you need to know is it's a two, it, there are two pills taken over a course of time. Many women will take the first pill and decide they don't want to take that second pill. They cha- have change of heart and want to carry the pregnancy forward. And doctors have had great success with only 20, uh, over 2,500 births now of abortion pill reversals. And it's simply a matter of giving the pregnant woman progesterone uh, because th- that's routinely done in pregnancy when there's a threat of miscarriage early on. It's very safe and it's very well proven in the literature. And yet the abortion businesses who oppose this uh, intervention or or the idea that any woman would change her mind, uh, that, you know, that anyone would be against abortion for any reason ever, uh, have suppressed abortion pill reversal ads from pregnancy help centers and others on Google and elsewhere Mm -hmm. and worked overtime to censor the truth that uh, abortion pill reversals are a thing and that they can save a pregnancy.
0: Yeah. Wow. Kim Cattola is my guest. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue to talk about uh, pro-life topics. We'll be right back. Listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity in a special repeat performance. It's always nice to be on with a true star of radio, Kim Petoli. You remember her from Cradle of My Heart Radio and also um, uh, her illustrious career in radio over 30 years. And she's in the Minnesota Hall of Fame and she's awesome, not to mention a very wonderfully nice person. And Kim is a pro-life advocate, and she's written a book, um, which you can, if you Google Kim Katola, K-E-T-O-L-A, you can find all kinds of interviews, her book, her music, everything, it's all there. So Kim, if I can just get back to the topic at hand, I would love to uh, have you talk about this uh, valedictorians talk that kind of went instantly viral.
1: Oh my goodness. So, yep, that was the graduation season last year, and she talked about, um, you know, protecting her right to have an abortion. And She's her speech school. was it. Yep. High school senior. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 speech was titled A War on My Body, yeah. A War on My Rights. And that is the title of her book. She has a book deal at whatever she is, 18, I guess. Um, OK, so. I'm guessing there's going to be some pro-choice ghostwriting going on over there. <laughs> it's a god. I a would agree. Well, and okay, so Gloria Allred and Judy Saunders are on the project, and Gloria Allred goes all the way back to Norma McCorvey and Jane Roe of Roe v. Wade. And Gloria Allred has never met an abortion case she didn't love. Mm-hmm. Um, she has profited over the misery of abortion her entire life. So this book is going to compile stories across generations from medical professionals to reproductive rights activists to prominent women's rights attorneys. And uh, it's going to tell stories. And, you know, what these stories are meant to do is to show you that if you want to protect the life of a child before his or her birth. Really what you are, Bill, is a, I was going to say a woman hater, but that would make me a hater Mm -hmm. because we we all know it's pregnant people, (laughs) not women only who get
2: pregnant.
1: I mean, yesterday, you know, I always, or earlier in the week too, I, I always like to just put in the search term abortion and then, refine the results by using the Google search news feature, right? Mm -hmm. You can search by images, you can search by shopping. The first story that came up about how, you know, it's always been tough to get an abortion in Texas, but think of trying to get an abortion when you're trans in Texas, right? Like this is, this is the problem we should all have at the front of our minds, Bill, right, that women who now want to be men, but who get pregnant, uh, need abortions sometimes. And I guess, you know, I mean, the problem medically is they're taking testosterone and they don't think they can get pregnant, but they still can because you can't fool Mother Nature. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then they want to terminate the pregnancy that they didn't think they were capable of because they thought they were men now, apparently. But you can't even find out the number of people who have become pregnant who are trans. That's a number that nobody has even asked. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I want to suggest to you that it's a very tiny piece of the pie that we should not be uh, setting national policy based upon that that we're now going to call women pregnant people because some trans women, men, some trans men Mm -hmm. can can still get pregnant. I'm sorry, I'm not that last comment. I, I really do remain somewhat confused. As to what the aim is for the 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 folks, but anyway, um, she's bill she's also serving on an advisory board for uh, two nonprofits, A is four, which uses art and storytelling to end abortion stigma and shame, and the women's reproductive rights Assistant project. You know she's she's launched now she is she's the face of a generation wow. to say that there is somehow a war on her body and a war on her rights because people have said, you know what, there are two lives involved in every pregnancy and we should have equal rights for all human beings based on our shared humanity, not based on whether or not we've been born yet. And for me, this is so sad because um, she's young. I believe all of these people are exploiting her. She's, very, uh, she's a very strong communicator, and she's obviously got the courage of her convictions. But I believe that there will come a day when she comes to regret the lives lost at her behest. And when she matures some, uh, she will not be able to go back and undo this. Because everyone, Bill, who promotes for abortion is part of the collective blood guilt mm-hmm. of abortion. And she most certainly is by leading women and people down this path. It's very sad to me. And I I do pray for her. I'm not angry at her. I understand how she got where she is. And I understand all the forces that are exploiting her youth and her um, brilliance. And for me, it's just a really, very sad time.
0: And Kim, let's not be surprised by the language that gets used, because they're very careful about how they script language. You know, when you were earlier before the break talking about you can go online and get the pill, and they're letting you know it's just so you can return to your regular period. Yes. That to me is evil.
1: Yes, because we know from the science of embryology that from conception forward, sometimes you'll hear the term fertilized egg. There's no such thing. That's not a medical term. Once the egg is fertilized by the sperm, A new, distinct, living, whole human being comes into creation. It's called a zygote at that point. It's not a fertilized egg. It's no longer an egg. It's now part of something else, the zygote, right? And so from that moment of conception forward, there's a distinct, living, whole human being. And the idea that you missed a period means you can just start up your period and there's no other life involved is a deception. It's a lie. It's a fiction. It's fake news. And it's a selling point for abortion uh, for women who are um, maybe in desperate circumstances, but definitely don't want an interruption in their lives. And so they give them a moral justification by erasing the child first in their language. And secondly, in reality.
0: Very troubling. So, so troubling. But you do, you do. um, I appreciate you coming and telling these stories and, I know there's a Supreme court case going up. Um, is it this week uh, regarding the state of Mississippi?
1: Uh, you know, I don't know the status on this Mississippi case, so I won't comment, but I did see a story today that in Kentucky, the AG has asked to, um, be a part of the case that the Supreme court will hear about Kentucky's restrictions on abortion. And it looks as though the Supreme court will allow him to do that. Um, the abortion business that is uh, involved in this case on the other side has said, "You know what? That's not fair." He reneged on a deal where he said he would not do that, <laughs> but, but sure enough, Kentucky AG—I uh, think his name is—let's find his name is uh, Daniel Cameron. Okay. He he, an African American attorney general in Kentucky, and he intends to uh, speak on the case. And the Supreme Court looks as though they're inclined to hear it. You know, this is why a lot of scrambling is happening around chemical abortions and self-managed. They used to be called DIY abortions, Mm -hmm. doing it at home with pills, um, is because a lot of the cases that are coming to the Supreme Court are being argued under new strategies, and they're being done so to great effect. Praise God.
0: Kim, thanks so much for being uh, on the show today. Always great to talk to you.
1: I miss you too, Bill. Thanks Thanks, for having me on.
0: You bet. Kim Catola has been my guest. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat
2: performance.
0: I want to make sure you get ready for Christmas and we've got a wonderful promotion going on here um, with Susie Larson's new book, prepare him room. We've got a couple of uh, devotional bundles, which when I say bundle, I mean there's two copies that you would receive if you were part of this drawing and you were to win. It also includes a pretty swell set of uh, quote graphic cards, which you can use as an inspiration or pass them out to somebody who might need to be inspired and encouraged. Anyway, all you have to do to uh, get in on this is to go to myfaithradio.com and check it out. So November is Cancer Awareness Month, and uh, I wanted to have a guest on that can talk about a journey with cancer. Many of you have had journeys with cancer, and you know um, that it's it's a very challenging time and nerve-wracking, and I walked uh, through my guest's uh, journey with him. I've been doing it for a while. He is the co-host of Real Recovery, George Fraser. This is a man who stopped being a vegan the day he was told he couldn't eat meat. George, That's welcome. true. <laughs> you were all on board until you found out you couldn't have a hamburger. Then you said, no more. You know,
3: it's I'm always grateful to be on your show, especially when it's not the early morning uh,
0: <laughs> late show anymore. And uh, I, I feel swell. Good. Can I tell you that? I'm I, glad to be here. Well, I haven't asked you how you're feeling, but I do care. <clears throat> so how are you feeling, George? Swell. I haven't heard
3: that word since
0: I had a coloring book. So, yeah, you know, I think I heard that I on Leavened to Beaver it. a long time ago. Yeah, how are you doing? Are you good? Yeah, I'm swell. Yeah, I'm swell too. Okay. You've got an am- amazing story uh, I would love for you because this is Cancer Awareness Month. And you know you know what I, I heard about Cancer Awareness Month is when I was watching the Wild do their warm-ups and they had their purple Cancer Awareness Month jerseys on. And then I found out that Rosie, who produces the show, her husband Gary was able to be at the Wild Game, uh, did that big announcement up at the Big Horn. Let's play hockey. It was a pretty big deal. Yeah, I've met him. Great
3: guy and uh, great story. So let's hear your story. He, he got to do the Wild thing.
0: Yes, he did.
3: Okay, that okay. Now I'm mad.
0: <laughs> um, I figured you. I figured that would make you mad. That's why I brought it up early.
3: Oh, great i you know i think it's very important for those of us who have cancer and have had it to see people make it and and he's one of those guys and uh that's really important
0: but well, give us a uh, your journey to talk about what happened and uh, how long ago and uh what you've kind of gone through
3: well you were there bill and uh it was a November, uh, December first, twenty sixteen. I went in for a physical, and I had noticed when I would brush my teeth in the morning, there'd be a little dot, little line of red. I thought I had a sinus infection. I told my good friend, Doctor John Dreyer, "Hey, this is going on." He goes, "Well, let's do a chest X-ray now." <clears throat> the backstory here. I had gotten a puppy. I refer to him as my son Bob earlier in the year. (laughs) And I was going to go to, (laughs) he's sitting right here. So, and I was going to go to Arizona for January. As you know, I used to do a short term missionary trip to the golfers in Scottsdale. Right. Uh, You know, I'm a giver. Yes, you are. And Bob was going to go to Dawkins uh, training school um, in Northfield for three months. And I go in and at my physical and he said, we're gonna do a chest x-ray. Well, the results come back and we're looking at them. You know, they got the light and the x-ray, just like the TV shows. I go, it looks good to me. He said, I don't like it. And the uh, the radiologist said, put him on antibiotics for a month, we'll recheck it. He goes, we're not doing that. Hmm. I go, well, I wanna do that. He goes, I'm your doctor and I'm your friend. Went in, had a a CT scan the next day, probably cancer. Well, the floor is starting to go away from me, okay? This is a free fall. Two weeks later, after being told that I didn't have it on a biopsy, they told me that I had stage four lung cancer. And I remember, because you were there, I think Paul Wallen was there, uh, Dr. Mark Sofeld, And most importantly, Shirley Kern was there. Mm -hmm. And she's a nurse who works at North Memorial. Well, she grabbed my elbow and said, there's hope. Well, it was interesting, Bill, because I felt like I was falling, okay, in free fall. I had said to you earlier after one of our shows that summer, you know, I'm going to be 60 this year. My my stuff doesn't work at 60. It didn't work that well at 40. I don't want to be 60. You remember that? Oh
0: yeah, remember and, it well.
3: And uh, all of a sudden, I realized—you know—I say some pretty ridiculous things. <laughs> um, normally, I don't pick up on them, but yeah. other people tell me. And I always thought we were praying up before. Then I thought, you know, I'm a Christian. Nothing really bad's going to happen to me. I don't know where I got that. I manufactured it. But anyway, Bill, it was awful. And, and I came home, and I remember, you got to keep breathing. It's like time stood still. Now, mm-hmm. I know I'm going to heaven, and I always said, yeah, I, I'm ready to die. When you have it on the calendar, I, I never have a feeling like that. And I remember I wrote down that day that I found it out because I figured I'd want to go back and look at that because my life changed forever right then. Mm-hmm. And um, a couple weeks later, January 15th, we did our show. We used to uh, do it up in the studio on Sunday night, Real Recovery. Uh, it's on Saturdays and Sundays. Give a plug there. And Absolutely. Our guest was Dr. Mark Sofeld. And Mark came into the lobby downstairs. We were waiting for him and he said, George, how you doing? I cried. I go, how do you think I'm doing? I'm dying. And he goes, well, maybe we can stop that. And in the first part of our show, it's just you and me. He got on his computer and was emailing a bunch of his colleagues. We did the show. And the next day I got on Katruda. But what had happened before that, Bill, the couple weeks before that, I remember New Year's Eve. I went to Mount Olivet, uh, New Year's Eve. Service. I always go there because our good friend, Kurt Calland is a minister there and Kurt gave the sermon. And afterwards, Bob Solheim from NC Little Hospice, uh, Ann and Brad Herman. And I were kind of planning my funeral downstairs after the service. Now they did have cookies and cakes, so, you know, it wasn't a total bad deal. And it was surreal. And I remember I left that night and I thought, I'm really lucky. I've had a great life. I, I have. I've had a great life. I got sober when I was 27, got uh, saved before that. And, and I'm the luckiest guy I now. I, there wasn't any anger. There wasn't, but there was a sadness because see, this is going to go on without you. Okay. And you are alone. I had a lot of people around me, including you. You really ministered to me. You're such a good friend. And, You're going through it yourself, you know, and every day I started fading away a little more. It's like having a raft next to the shore and every day you're farther out. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be a part of this. And that, that, that was so sad to me. And I, I would find I cried a lot. I remember I went to the health club to get my hair cut and I had to change my appointment because of some doctor's appointments and I'm walking in the door and I saw my spin class teacher, Jerry, and I walked by her, because I, I was just on edge. And she said, George Fraser, you get back here. You don't walk past me. We're too good of friends. How you doing? I lost it. Completely lost it. I told her, uh, she started crying. So anyway, I got to go downstairs, get my hair cut. I got a, a different stylist. And She sees me and she comes over, the place is full, George Fraser, you've got another stylist, how could you do this to me? I said, I'm sick. And I lost it. Everybody in the place was crying. And it was very emotional, Bill, you know, and I I was scared. I was never mad. I just never thought that dying would be as it sounds really stupid, overwhelming. I didn't have a plan B, you know, um, I'm going to die. You guys are going to go on. I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I get that. About a month later, I was sitting in my chair after I'd started the treatments. I did my, I always do the daily bread in the morning and the Tim Keller Proverbs book. And I'm drinking coffee and I coughed into a handkerchief and it was all blood. And I'm looking out on the lake and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to see Bob again, you know, Um, I'm dying and I felt weak and I didn't hear a voice, but the thought came into my head. I've had you all along. Mm. I helped you get sober. I'm still here and it's going to be all right because I have you. Well, I've heard people talk about that, Bill, and I've always thought, yeah, right. Instantly, I thought, you know what? I get to say goodbye to everybody. I'm going to go see my parents and my dogs. (laughs) It was like going on a long cruise, you know, Mm -hmm. going to heaven. I never really thought about it. I was okay. Mm. And the reason I share that is I went from total despair. Uh, Both my parents died of cancer. My dad esophageal, my mom breast I didn't want to go through it because, see, you know, every time before you get sick, you know, you're going to get better. But this time you aren't. And there's no plan B. You know, usually you have a problem. You go, well, I'll call Bill. I'll call Tommy. I know this guy. I'll try this. There's nothing. Right. You're going. And God showed up. And I got to say goodbye to everybody. And. I thought, you know what? How did I miss this? Hmm. Why did I live my life thinking about so much about what was going on here when this isn't my home? Why did I do that? Because this is all you know, okay? But what happened was my faith went from a belief to a knowledge. i met God. God showed up. Wow. Now, we joke about this, Bill, and I'm going to tell your listeners that this is a joke. I find it very funny. But I remember after I, <laughs> I had lived a couple of years, you said to me, once again, you disappointed everyone. <laughs> I just love that. But but we did not lose the ability to laugh. And I got on this drug, Contruda. Now, I had a nine-centimeter tumor in my leg and a four-and-a-half-centimeter tumor in my lung.
0: Always an overachiever, George.
3: Yeah, thank you. How are you on time here?
0: Well, we're good. Another minute. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got a minute. Thanks for being on the show, George. <laughs> you were great.
3: And, you know, you were there when I got diagnosed, and I had a picture taken on my cell phone of Mark Soulfeld and I had the doctor. And I look back on that, and I thought, why would I do that? I'm not on Facebook. Hey, I'll post it. I'm dying. Guess what, everybody? Send me money. You know? <laughs> and, but, but what happened was I go in for my first PET scan three months later. And I walked in, and the oncologist, Dr. Vermoula, said, how you doing, George? Well, I had read the chart. They had me a palliative care, which I didn't know what it meant. That's to keep you comfortable till you die, right? Mm -hmm, Yeah. And I said, you tell me, how am I doing? He goes, well, I heard you're a man of prayer. I go, I am, especially when I'm in trouble, which seems to be a lot of the time. He (laughs) goes, well, take a look at this. Here's the December, four centimeters in your lung, nine centimeters in your leg. This is yesterday. The tumor in your leg is gone. The tumor in your lung is half the size. This doesn't happen. I like, are you kidding? I thought maybe, hey, you know, maybe I'm going to be around for a while. And this drug is called an immunotherapy. And when you get cancer, your body can't recognize it like it does an infection. But with this, it does. And I'm an outlier. It worked great. And so I was able to get half my lung taken out, a steel rod put. In my leg, and uh, five years is coming up. But it took me three years, Bill, to go, I'm not dying.
0: Mm -hmm. George, let me take a break. When I come back, I want to find out what are some of the things God has taught you through this experience because I know people have said, uh, you know, this uh, has been an amazing experience and uh, they say some pretty incredible things. So I want to hear your side of that story. George P. Fraser is my guest for the We're talking about Cancer Awareness Month, which is November, and and George is a cancer survivor uh, coming up on five years after having been diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. So we'll take a short break and be right back. listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance. Welcome back to today's show. George Fraser is my guest. He is the co-host of Real Recovery. We've been doing Real Recovery now for 10 years, and it started off as an experiment where our station manager, Neil Stavem said at the time, well, why don't you try it for eight weeks and see how it goes over? And that was 10 years ago. 'Cause the stories of transformation. People surviving and getting through drugs and alcohol has been uh, quite powerful. And I never get tired of hearing stories of transformation.
3: No, I don't either, Bill. And, and it's a god we can't see God, but we can see what he does. And that's what I like it. The other amazing thing is um Staven still has a job. I know. You know? <laughs> he, I mean he really you know, he really took a risk there. What yeah. a great guy. He's in his forty fifth uh, year if you can believe it. Got a nice comment. What a ministry.
0: (laughs) Got a nice comment from Joyce. Uh, She said, I love George's story. A friend had battled lung cancer for 21 years. My husband lived four and a half years with pancreatic cancer before going to heaven. I said from the day he was diagnosed, God doesn't read statistics. I love that. Nice. Yeah. So George, talk about some of the things you learned, some of the things God showed you through your journey.
3: Okay. Well, First of
0: all, my are Denny,
3: when I got diagnosed, I, I called him and I said, I don't want to do any of this. I don't like getting blood drawn. You know? I don't like the whole deal. He goes, well, then don't. I go, well, I'm going to die then. He goes, well, there is that. And he, he has a way of speaking truth. And about three months later, I called him and I said, I'm really afraid. I got a PET scan, and I'm really afraid. He said, well, you're a man of faith, right? I go, well, yeah, you know I am. He goes, well, start acting like it. And I thought, okay, that's an inside <laughs> fastball. <laughs> you realize if I'm I'm dead, we're not playing golf next. So maybe he did think that. True. Yeah, I'm i don't sure
0: know. that's what he had on his mind.
3: But I got off the phone, and I thought, that's dead on.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's right, right on the money. And you've given Denny permission, your friend to be that, uh, you know, blunt with you, which, uh, you know, can sound insensitive, I'm sure to some listeners, but um, you gave him permission to be that blunt. It's tough love. It is tough love.
3: And Denny's my, uh, if it wasn't for Denny, I'm not sober. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I got this book, maybe you gave it to me, by Tim Culler called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering.
0: I did give you that. Yeah. Um, Hardcover, too, it wasn't Thank cute. you. Yeah. Oh, actually, it was a paperback. <laughs> <laughs> was it paperback? I Yeah, I guess I yeah. went chintzy on you. Sorry.
3: But it wasn't used, and I thought, oh, that, you know, for him, that's good. So anyway, I'm reading this book, and Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Uh, um, we t- it's about anxiety and um, presenting everything to God with thankfulness. Um, and then the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. I think most people know the, the verse. I can't think of it right now, which would have been nice, but that's the gist of it. And we, we presented our request, request to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God, you know, will. Um, cover your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, Tim Keller says the reason we do it with Thanksgiving, and this is just a game changer. God answers our prayers exactly the way we would if we had all the information he does. And Bill, I remember when I read that I thought, oh, maybe something real tragic would happen if I lived. There's a lot of unknowns here, and I always think I know what's best for me. I don't. I I didn't get into a recovery because I knew what is best for me. Well, Keller also wrote, not in that book, but he wouldn't want to live any longer than God willed for him to live because he wouldn't want to live in a world where he was outside of God's will. Mm-hmm. And sovereignty, in fact he said, if God wasn't sovereign, I couldn't get out of bed in the morning and and one of the things that happened to me spiritually is I really became grateful in that the whole thing isn't about here it's about where you're going, and I'm going to heaven and It's a process. I was listening to the Faith Radio Network one time, and Dr. David Jeremiah was talking. And he said that when we die, they send an angel down to get you. And then he showed the scripture where an angel was sent down to get somebody. And I thought, okay, the more I look into this, the more excited I'm getting. You don't have to worry about the things you worry about all the time here, paying your bills, what's going to happen to the stock market? Will this guy get sober? Well, it was very peaceful. And then I got better. But I realized more than anything else, how dependent I am on God in that my next breath comes at the mercy of an all sovereign God. So does everybody else's and that God is a good God who cares and loves for us. Now you feel, excuse me, all alone, but I believe it's in the book of Hebrews. It talks about Christ felt abandoned on the cross. he said to God, why have you forsaken me? But it also says the author and the perfecter of our faith has gone through everything we go through. And I took great comfort in that because for the first time in my life, I knew what that meant. Because when you die, you go out alone. There's people all over. It's great. They care about you. But you become the cancer guy. It's so great. now. People don't ask me how I'm doing. Now, maybe I'm taking that <laughs> wrong and they don't care. But but you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it became a real part of my identity. Like... Uh, there's an asterisk next to your name. And I, I look back on my life a lot and saw where God totally rescued me from where I was going, from what I was doing, from who I was. One of the real blessings has been the radio show. Mm -hmm. 10 years. Yeah. That's a total miracle, Bill. It is. Um, it's funny. I mean, I'm sure my, when I see my mom in heaven, she's going to go, okay, the guy who drank and did all the drugs has a had a radio show <laughs> on helping people get off drugs and quit drinking. Mm-hmm. But that's our God. Yeah. So if, if you're listening tonight and, and you have the diagnosis, I heard John Piper say when he had prostate cancer to embrace it. And I didn't know what that meant, but what I think it means for me is this, cry, uh, feel the feelings,
2: mm-hmm.
3: be sad, because we can't join Jesus in his joy if we don't join him in his suffering. Mm-hmm. And I learned that, and, and I learned that God is good, yeah, All and this is going to end well. Yeah, It's going to end well for you.
0: Yeah. So, George, let me close with a nice text message I got from our friend Bob Solheim. We've already talked about him once. We both love she Bob. Does he have a room for me? <laughs> <laughs> well, he probably does, uh, as a matter of fact. But he just said, uh, what a powerful message George has shared. I do remember the sadness that New Year's Eve downstairs at church. God clearly has had special plans for George, and George has not disappointed him. Wow. not that nice? See, people like you, George. I know that comes as a surprise. <laughs> but no, do. actually, it does. <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> hey, hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah. And um, um, it, it, you were a big part of it. Obviously, you still
0: are. So thanks, Billy. You bet, George. Thanks for doing the show. Great to be with you. Okay. Yep. Bye-bye. George Fraser has been my guest. He is my co-host on Real Recovery. We have quite a nice long friendship. So if we are having fun at each other's expense, it's because we really love each other. And that's uh, all the time we have. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.